You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Hello, everyone. It is I, Creek, and I'm here with one counterpart. Hola. So we haven't really done a meditation this season. We haven't done a meditation this season and thought it was high time that we did one. Um, I know lots of you have reached out asking for more of these and it's just, uh, this made the most sense. So Abram and I have been talking a little bit about how do we want to approach this meditation that isn't just another meditation that you can get anywhere. And we, we stumbled upon, upon the phrase love and logic. So... Seth, what do we mean when we say love and logic? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, that's a great question, Creek. Uh, yeah, trying to access that space we were in yesterday. Mm-hmm. We don't normally also record this early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, not even halfway through my coffee. Yeah, yeah. It, potentially what we're experiencing right now, trying to engage this depth of conversation is Ooh. a little bit what we're trying to get into with the content. This um, is true. Yes. Yeah. One of the things we're speaking about is maybe learned knowledge versus experiential knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to uh, sort of have information about something. So I'm it's kind of, in a sense, I guess, judging a book by its cover and not really opening up the book to experience the content that is in there and allowing it to have its way with you in a, in a sense, you know, mm. to affect you is, is a word that I like. To be affected by something is to kind of have your heart open to it, uh, to be, to experience something. You know, we, we, we talked about uh, this a couple uh, episodes ago with with Lee, I believe, how uh, the brain is wired for energy conservation, and so we label things and then we move on from them, and mm-hmm. then at that point we no longer experience, actually encounter the thing that we see continually every day. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that is learned knowledge uh, of a tree or or whatever information that we've taken in, and we have now assumed that is the only thing that. That is the thing that we see now. You know, that is how we filter our experience. Mm-hmm. So that learned knowledge versus experiential knowledge. How do we keep being affected by something? And I think that is about it's about uh, conceptualizing. You know, which is a valuable and important framework for humans. But if we don't move to the next step, uh, mm-hmm. you know, then then we're kind of, I guess, screwing ourselves over and other people. But yeah, no, learned knowledge versus experiential knowledge. What what do you, what say ye? You, thou. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the example that pops in my head is something that I imagine most people have experienced. Uh, last time um, my niece was was here, my niece and nephews were, for whatever reason, my, my little niece was in a really cuddly mood. And she came and just sat in my lap and curled up in a ball for like 30 minutes like no no squirming, no speaking, and it was just one of the more precious moments I've had. I mean, yeah, and when I'm when I'm down there with you and your kids, it's at like the certain moments where it's just like I just feel expansive love <laughs> around their actions and their preciousness. Now we can we can take that and we can dissect it, right? 
of different bodily sensations, different hormones, different chemicals coursing through my veins that is biological. But you you don't love someone um, out of that logic of biology. You love someone out of experiential knowledge, out of the conglomeration of sensations. Um, so to me, that's that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that's a, a clear example. And this shows up kind of everywhere in life, right? In some ways, we're talking about dialectics, where there's two seemingly opposing things that arise mutually. There's some uh, Chinese philosopher that says all opposites arise simultaneously and mutually, right? So think of if you can picture like a concave line, you can't create a concave line without having a convex side, right? You can't have light without also introducing shadow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's seemingly opposite things that somehow have to work together. But if we, you try to use one over the other, then you're really missing out on the whole picture. So that's kind of what we mean by love and logic. Love being the experience of what is here and logic being the observation of what is here. So that leads us to the next thing of why why is why are both of these important, right? To me logic gives us the traction to express, enact and experience love. So if we think about logic, right? Logic is inherently, well it's difficult. It's full of tension, it's full of pushing back, making sure your ideas are rigorous. So we need that that rigor. We need that tension in order to move forward, in order to show our love to others, to ourselves, and to experience the love that is coming towards us. Yeah, and, and one could argue that this is the best way to uh, stay safe and stay on the surface if you never move beyond this point. Mm, because mm-hmm. if you look at any um, tradition, uh, spiritual tradition that includes, you know, a, a way of trying to understand God or the infinite. Uh, you know, there's there ends up being opposing sides, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and some traditions have see this as an incredibly valuable thing. Like this is how you're making con- healthy conflict is making space for the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some aspects of of certain traditions see them as different opposing sides well we're enemies actually so yeah like logic in and of itself i think is a great way to stay safe there's a guy named saint john of the cross uh who who wrote this book uh with the title that a lot of people are familiar with but (laughs) most people haven't actually read the book uh the dark night of the soul Mm. And he said, um, I don't actually know if it was in that book or not, but he said that we can't know God. We can only love God. Hmm. And the point I think that is being made there is to try and understand something infinite with a conceptual mind is pretty impossible. You're really not, you're not going to really get anywhere or be deeply affected and informed by just trying to, figure something out that is unfigureoutable. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of pointless trying just doing that and over and over and over it's just a, a great way to stay safe and not mm. be vulnerable. And I think the the point in it is again you can't we can't know God we can only love God. A phrase that I look I like from Locke Kelly uh, he says that we sort of unhook 
from this this mental space into our heart space and it is through the actual person we uh, we'll just use the example of Jesus uh, that we can actually love God because mm-hmm. we we need uh, um, something like us we need something like us that we can relate to that we can re- we can refer to that we can understand that we can grasp something mm-hmm. that has uh, emotion something that has that we can be empathetic towards, yeah. you know, some something that we can witness and, and be reminded of that, oh yeah, they're human and that reminds me of my humanity. Yeah, there's just an aspect of in my in my thinking here, love and logic, they got they work in tandem. And you can't you kinda can't have one without the other. Like we were talking about the last episode, it's this finite and infinite experience in a sense. Right. Well, the, yeah, exactly. The, if you haven't listened to uh, one of the last episodes, accepting versus condoning, um, we yeah we bring up that concept of infinite games versus finite games, and love right is an infinite game. It's a game that the point of it is to continually play it and never. There's no figuring it out or winning it. Mm-hmm. Logic, you hope to at some point have some level of winning or end to a result like hmm, yes we understand like logic is that if i step out in front of a bus there is an end game to that um there's a result uh something measurable something i can do or not do right that's a that's a finite game so knowing knowing which game you're playing is really helpful but neither one is better than the other and both must work in tandem so this leads uh, to this to this next section where what happens, and this this is what happens a lot, is when people use love and logic exclusive from one another. And to me, logic with no love is brutal, right? It, if we just go by logic without having any level of connection to our heart, compassionate connection, then we're we're going to end up doing some pretty atrocious things. Um, I mean look back on, I am a huge fan of science, but of course, science can go wrong in the wrong hands, right? This is this is a great example of sometimes when you don't use love in congruence with logic, it can be pretty brutal. At the same time, love with no logic is chaotic. And we like to think like love conquers all, love does, okay. But when you have no guidelines, you have no ways of determining whether this is uh, applied love correctly, good, critical, rigorous thinking behind how we apply our love, whether to ourselves, to others, or even how we receive love, then all it is, is it's chaotic. It's aimless. It ends up doing more harm than good. Yeah. The one without the other is how we become compulsive is how we overdo uh, the, a gift, you know, which mm-hmm. is kind of one way to see why we need the line points of our dominant type, because they they hold sort of opposites that help balance this out. And in and of itself, our one, you know, any type strategy is quite limited. The authors Hurley and Donson they use the language of balance through inclusion. Mm, that's good. It is sort of this idea that you were addressing earlier with Hegel's dialectic that to hold to to include the opposite side is then what allows for the arising of the third, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, this is this is uh, how love, love and logic uh, working together bring about your capacity to truly be 
be. <laughs> I'll yeah. stop right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and in a sense, just one without the other, they're limited. But I almost you could almost argue that you don't really have either one mm. without the other. You know, mm. listeners, and I know this is uh, probably slightly longer uh, introduction than normal for the meditations, but I think these are really these concepts are quite large. The question that I always want to come back to, and I think we often we often miss this question in the broader community and within Fathom sometimes, is why does this matter? What what are we? Why is this useful? And I guess for me, the love and the logic, they're the they're the two handles that we interface reality with. And as soon as we let go of one, we become unstable. And and sometimes you feel unstable when you're holding onto both. But um, these are two tools, two handholds that I think are crucial to actually be able, like like you were saying, that to actually experience hereness in a way that is, um, to put it in the language of one of our teachers, ad- adaptive, adaptive towards what it is that you are wanting to be in this world. And I think why why we wanted to do a meditation with these ideas is because meditation allows us to experience things, to experience things sensationally instead of just with our minds. Using using our logic to experience love, so then we can come out of that and have better logic to enact, express, experience love in our day-to-day life. Seth, I think you, I mean, you said something along the lines of if we have like that 10 minute practice in the morning, that's great. But if you aren't actually taking that experience of presence of love or whatever it is that you experience, you don't enact it on the world, then it's kind of pointless. Totally. With that being said, we are going to be doing two different meditations. And I want you to notice how we're using logic to experience what is here in order for us to be able to connect with love, to connect with what is right here, the experience of what is the inclusion of all that is happening. So we can truly see the stories we're living, the stories that we need to drop, and to be able to express, enact, and experience love and kindness to the stories around us. So when you're ready, go ahead and find a space that you can sit quietly, and we will begin shortly. first meditation, we're going to be focusing on our breath. Our breath is something that we often don't pay much attention to, but there's a long history of meditation as it involves following your breath. So I'd like us to begin as you're sitting quietly still space. Paying attention to your body at first. Releasing any sort of tension you may find. Allowing it to relax. to draw your attention first to your nose 
one deep inhale in. you to focus on the temperature difference. As you breathe in the cool air brushing against your skin and noticing the warmer air as you exhale. Maybe pay attention to where you feel it first and where you feel it last as you finish your exhale. to draw your attention to where it is you're breathing from. Are you breathing from your chest or from your belly? Go ahead and place one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly. And as you breathe, watch as the air fills from the bottom of your belly to the top of your chest. In and out. In and out. is an example of how paying close attention, being curious, labeling is so helpful in bringing us to the moment. When we focus distinctly on one thing, This brings us to the present. What I'd like to try next is perhaps a bit more difficult, but with practice, with time, it will become more natural. What I'd like to try is for us to watch ourselves being breathed. You don't often notice your breath. This is a wonderful gift. We don't have the capacity to continue to instruct ourselves on inhale and exhale. We often think that when we do something, it's a conscious choice. But the breath is a beautiful example. We are doing even when we are not aware. And this can be harmful 
but this can also be a beautiful thing to help bring us into the present moment. When you're driving your car, there's multiple things that are happening from the breath to where you turn left. These things are happening as if happening to you. In some ways, breathing is automatic. You don't have to make a choice to breathe. So let's take a moment and just relax and let your breath return to its regular rhythm. There's no forcing it or trying to breathe in a certain way. Can you just observe what's happening without a choice or decision? Watch how the breath unfolds. This may be difficult. It's hard to let go and trust. Trust that your breath will be there for you. But it always is. focus on a part of your body while simultaneously watching your breath. Can you notice the pauses in between the inhale and the exhale? Maybe you're noticing that as you are being breathed, you don't need as much oxygen as you may have thought. Smaller breaths deep in your belly. And you just watch it. Trust the unfolding. The Irish poet John O'Donohue says, I would love to live as the river flows carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. And when you're ready, come back into the room. Open your eyes and take a deep breath as we move into the next practice.
as you may have noticed in the last meditation. Often the harder you tried, the harder it became. This shows up in our lives in many ways. Often the harder we try to become loved, to become independent or safe, the further away we get from it. I'm not talking about inaction, but there's a difference in seeing the thing behind the thing, seeing beyond, through, around, below the stories. This next meditation is going to be perhaps a little bit different. For some, it may be what they're used to, and for others, it may be confusing or even a little scary. What I'd like to do is, at first, start with what's comfortable. We'll stay within our bodies. And again, notice the sensations. As we've done in the past, we'll start with our forehead, relaxing all of the micro muscles. And we'll move into our cheeks, relaxing, imagining the stress, the tension melting, melting away. And we move into our neck and our shoulders. tension dissolve. Spring the attention to your hands. Can you soften them? And maybe even soften them again. As we bring our attention to our belly and pelvic area, and you feel the weight of your body, your hips in the chair or on the floor. your belly relax. As we bring attention to our legs, notice the length and the weight of them. 
can you notice maybe places of discomfort? Just notice. Letting any tension dissolve as you soften the muscles in your legs. And finally, the feet. We forget about our feet. But these are direct contact to what is, to the ground, to solidity, to sensation. Can you feel all the different types of sensations your feet are experiencing right now? And if you find your breath, continue to stay with it. Stay with your breath as you take a conscious impression of all the sensations playing in your body. drifting, or some type of virtual reality, thinking about the past or the future, or even some sort of projection onto the present, just come back here. Now is enough. is enough. So again, through conscious attention, we've begun to experience what is here. Let's take it one step farther. you to try to not be aware. Try not to be aware. It's probably a strange question quite sure how to process that. We don't know how not to be aware. 
And yet as soon as we try not to be aware, we're immediately confronted with the fact that we are. We are immediately drawn into awareness itself. Try not to be aware. This isn't a wandering mind. This isn't distraction. Try not to be aware. There's a method of meditation called inquiry. We ask questions without searching for an answer, but rather observing what answers arise. The sensations that you're feeling right now, what are feeling those sensations? Who? is feeling those sensations. Who is hearing the sounds? What is the quality of that space? The normal and immediate reaction is to just say, well, it's me. I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm seeing. But who is aware of I? Who is aware of being aware? Who is I? It's not your body. It's not your mind. They are a part, but they're not the whole. Who is aware? strange place for many, but as we ask those questions, you may notice discomfort, but you may also notice a feeling of large expansiveness. The thing that's holding all the things, 
This is awareness. This is love. And this is logic. Can you imagine the silence that is listening to sound? The stillness that is perceiving the sensations and movement. Can you imagine the vast emptiness internally and externally that is seeing all that is there? And as we trust what is happening, what is here, the wide open space that holds all things. Can you notice what stories have you dropped? What issue or sensation that was overwhelming all of a sudden becomes manageable? We are no longer caught in the finite game of overcoming or resolving. We've stepped into the infinite game. gives us perspective, gives us capacity to hold all the tensions that reside internally and externally. Some would name this experience our essence. But I wonder, what if what we're really experiencing is not necessarily our, our true self, but rather a state of true acceptance? The great agreement. This isn't a complacent dependency on the way things are or have been, but an including of everything everything painful or pleasurable, good or bad, adaptive or maladaptive, in order to continue this eternal twirl of evolution. This awareness feels like our true self because there's no longer resistance to what is. We have dropped the stories and you're able to see the one, the one story, full of its complexities and nuances, its labors and its love, its sublime and its subtle, sacred and sacred, 
sacrifice in the struggle. And this finally feels like us because we see the reflection, the mirroring of life onto us. We feel seen. We finally feel we belong. We finally feel home. ever-changing space, time, of now. Who is aware of being aware? May you find this your home. find this, your peace. May you find this, your happiness. Including all, accepting all, be at peace.